Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. God just said, you ready to write Ezra? Here we go. Why? Because he knew them all. He's omniscient. He knows everything. So we look at these names and go, who is that? God knows everything about them, as he does you tonight. That's the kind of God we serve. We don't serve a God that's aloof. We serve a God that loves individuals. Nothing is hidden from him. If you've ever looked back on certain times in your life and thought, I wish I knew then what I know now, There are so many lessons to be learned from one life. It's like the Old Testament. Lives recounted and hashed out for all to see and to gain wisdom from them. Like sharing what we've experienced with our children, God wants us to know all of His Word because every bit of it is vital to our understanding of Him. How else would we know how to show our love through obedience to Him? We see our own failings reflected in the lives of those we find in Scripture, and we can find hope and encouragement in their growth and prosperity. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 1 Chronicles chapter 1, verse 1. interested in a true story that came through on the Calvary web for pastors concerning worship. You know, we're definitely into worship here. This is a true story. Mike Warren of Calvary Fellowship in Grass Valley was in Uganda with his team where he had a very successful ministry a number of times from crusades and orphanage, medical clinics, and so forth. One of the musicians One of his musicians decided he wanted to learn to try to play one of these native drums there in Uganda. The interpreter decided to teach him how to play the song, Come to Worship. For about 30 minutes, the Ugandan would play the beat, and the American would struggle to get it right. Finally, they got one drum for each of them, and it went a lot better. Then... A native, as they were playing this song on the drums, Come to Worship, a native came out of the jungle with two young women. He said that he was reading the Koran and playing when the drums told him that if he'd come to them, a white man would tell them the meaning of a dream he'd been having. He pointed to the only white guy he could see, (laughs) which was Mike. The interpreter was fetched and the story was told to Mike, who immediately began praying, Oh God, why did you send this guy to me? I don't interpret dreams. The native said that he had this recurring dream. Mike asked him what the dream was about. And the guy said, "I Here's what I see. I continue to see a road that forks. One goes up to a beautiful place. The other goes into a place of briars and thorns. Mike opened the word, shared the gospel, told the man that he was at that fork in the road. 
The two girls that had come with the native broke out in tears, began weeping, and immediately accepted Jesus Christ. The man said he'd be back in three days and give him his decision. Three days later, he came back and also accepted Jesus Christ. And you say, well, does that kind of thing really happen? Yes. Well, why does it happen? Because of this. God loves and is interested in every individual. You see, he didn't just come for us that live here in West Melbourne. He came for the whole world. And here's a native. God gives him a dream. Can't make sense out of it. Poor guy from missions who's a musician says, hello, and God uses him. We begin an interesting book tonight that really goes along with that theme. God loves and is interested in every individual. As I was studying this week, I looked down at the coffee table and my wife had just added some new pictures of our grandkids. Now we have three different sets of pictures over three different time periods. In another room, we have a picture of our son, Lee, and see different pictures from his past. Well, as we begin First Chronicles, initially we see a snapshot of man from the beginning of time all the way up to the time of this book. We'll see lots of individual pictures as if they were sitting on the coffee table. Some we'll stop and look at as we go through. Others we'll just bypass because of time. The writer will stop and give us sometimes a glimpse into their detailed lives. The word chronicles really means words of the days. And it comes from the Latin, which just means to have a detailed account of events arranged in a chronological timeline fashion. It really means that First Chronicles is a journal. You heard me right. It is a journal. It's a journal of events that shaped the history of Israel. Now, as we go through this book, we'll see failures. We'll see successes. In fact, we'll see so many failures that maybe we'll stop and ask the question, does God still love mankind after all of this? I think you'll see clearly the answer is yes. That encourages me. Because when I look back in my life, as you do on yours, there's lots of failures. But God still cares for us. God knows every one of these individuals as we go through. He cared for them all. The details of our lives do matter to God. Sometimes when we see God, and right now, today, we have over 6 billion people. And we go, no way God cares about each one of them. Yes, he does. Every single one of them is his creation. So he cares. And he cares about the details of our lives. And when we get to chapter 10, and then on the book, finish 1 Chronicles and then 2 Chronicles, we'll focus on two main pictures sitting on the coffee table. David and also his son Solomon. 
We will cover, as we go through this, for those of you that have been through First and Second Kings and First and Second Samuel, some of the same information will come up, but we're going to focus from a different area. Those books were made mostly historical. We're going to look at the spiritual applications. This is what the Chronicles does. Now, remember, as we head into this, that Israel had had a civil war in their own nation, broke into two actually separate nations. You remember Judah, two nations in the south, and then Israel, ten nations in the north. These books focus almost entirely on Judah. So that's the history that we're coming to. Sometimes when we go through this, you're going to say, well, I remember that story from 1 Kings. Why does God present it in his Bible again? Repetition means importance. So when you go through it again, what God is trying to say is, maybe you didn't get it the first time. Let's try it again. Or you got it, but you forgot it. That's true for most of us. We forget so much. You see, when this repetition is here, God just repeats it for emphasis. It's interesting, we can look at that, but many times when we come to the New Testament, we don't even think about repetition. But just stop for a moment tonight. Listen, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Any repetition? Tons. And yet, from a different perspective. You go through it, Six months later, you go back and go, man, I forgot that. And that's the way we are. So that's the reason for this. So there will be many common things that if you've ever gone through the Bible, some of them will be highlights. For those of you that have never studied the Old Testament, this is going to be awesome and rich for you. For those of you that have been through Pastor Chuck's tapes or whatever, it'll just be a reminder in some things. And obviously the Holy Spirit will use myself to bring out maybe different aspects or whatever, even if it's the very same aspect. Just say, God, what are you trying to say to me? I don't want to go around the mountain again. Let me learn it tonight. And that's what will happen. Now, the author probably is Ezra, one of the scribes. He was a student of the Bible. And these journal records probably recorded somewhere in the area of 400 to 450 B.C. The background concerns really the 12 preceding books of the Bible up to this point ended with the nation of Israel, as I already said, in civil war and then into captivity. They have left their nation. These two chronicles retell much of that same story right up to that very end point again. So that's the kind of picture we're looking at. Ezra is looking back at the history of the Israelites after their spiritual fall and captivity. Now, when we look back... Over all our lives, it's very easy to learn some lessons. And when we look back, we'd like to say to our children, don't go there. Don't do that. That was stupid. We knew better and we did it anyway. Well, this is what you're going to see. It's a looking back and saying, man, why did they do that? There are so many lessons for us to learn. And the New Testament tells us that God recorded the children of Israel and their mistakes as well as their successes so that we could learn not to repeat the same ones. So that's why we study. 
And you might look at this and say, oh, I know that. Well, it's not just a matter of knowing it. It's practicing it. Now, the first nine chapters deal with genealogy or family trees. These were very important specifically to the Jews because of ministry. The Hebrews maintained careful records as far as genealogy. They were important because God's covenant promises were made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Each Jew had a claim to the relationship with God. It rested on those covenant promises. So, These genealogical records were especially important, not only just for the average everyday Jew, but specifically for the priests and the Levites. For only descendants of Levi, and in the case of the priests, and Aaron were qualified to serve in the tabernacle and the temple. After being in this area of captivity for all these years, there was lots of confusion when they started coming back into their land. And then it was important that they could reestablish these priestly lines again so that proper worship could come. So when we look at this, it's like, what's the big deal here? So the first reason for these genealogies, and we're not going to read, by the way, the nine chapters. If you want to do that, you can go right ahead and be my guest. As we do it, you won't go far, and so you'll agree with me that most of the names you can't even pronounce, so you're definitely not going to read them. But they were not only important for ministry because of the priesthood, the Levites, but they were very important for prophecy. We know the Bible says that God promised Abraham that from his seed, the Messiah would come. So in order to prove that Jesus was indeed the promised Messiah, it's necessary to have genealogy from Adam to Abraham. Later we see Jacob who the Lord gave again a prophecy that would not depart from Judah. Remember, a lawgiver, a giver, the scepter, until Shiloh would come. I don't have time to go through that tonight. The Messiah would come. This promise, this covenant promise again, stated that the future Messiah not only would be in the line of Abraham, but would be from the tribe of Judah. Then as we move along, we'll see in our study that the promise was also given to David that there would never cease one sitting upon the throne from David's seed. All of this has to do with genealogy. David rightly interpreted that to mean that the Messiah would come through David's family. So in a prophetical way, as we look at these chapters, these first nine, what is the importance of them? Number one, the Messiah had to be a descendant of Abraham. If you followed those lines, you could see that. Number two, he had to be of the tribe of Judah, which the Chronicles focus on. Number three, he has to be of the family of David, which we'll spend much time on in the latter part of 1 Chronicles. So let's take a look. We'll begin at chapter 1, verse 1. Just go a few verses here and then make some comments. Now this is from verses 1 through 27, leads you from Adam to Abraham. We have Adam and Seth and Enosh and Kenan and Mahalel and Jared, Enoch, Methuselah, Lamech, Noah, and the sons of Noah, some of you remember this, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. These are the names of men about whom we've read. If you go back to the first eight chapters of Genesis, you'll see that. Every one of those names is important to God. 
They're all God's children. Every person plays a role in history, whether great or small. Every person either brings glory or dishonor to God, as you do also. Now, it's interesting to me, as we go through this list, and I, I challenge you just to kind of look at it and see an incredible number of names that are there. I want to remind you tonight that when Ezra wrote these down through the Holy Spirit, God didn't have to go to the local courthouse and do a background check to figure out who these people were. Now, the Mormons, or you might like to go through your ancestral tree and you get on the Internet and you can hunt all day long for it. God just said, you ready to write, Ezra? Here we go. Why? Because he knew them all. He's omniscient. He knows everything. So we look at these names and go, who is that? God knows everything about them, as he does you tonight. That's the kind of God we serve. We don't serve a God that's aloof. We serve a God that loves individuals. Nothing is hidden from him. In Isaiah 43, it says this, But now this is what the Lord says, He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. And from Matthew, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your father. And even the very number, very hairs of your head are all numbered. God has an easier time with some of you than others. So, so, don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Is God still interested in mankind? Yes. Is God still interested in mankind, even though mankind, as we'll see here, from Adam to Abraham, has blown it time and time and time and time and time again? Yes, I like that. Because God is still interested in us when we blow it. He loves his creation. He loved Adam and Eve when they blew it in the garden. He loved Abraham, we'll see tonight, and he sins. He loved the children of Israel. He loved them as they head into captivity. He brings them back. He still loves them. And he loves us. When we get to Galatians 6, we'll find this. Those that are spiritual restore the one who has fallen. That's God's goal. He loves to restore. He loves to put marriages back together. He loves to put lives back together. Don't forget that as we go through. We know that God does not change. Now look back at verse 4. I think it's interesting you see this. Look at the name Shem. This is where the Jews would come from, the Semites. And then the Messiah would obviously come from them. So this goes way back and gives us a little bit of picture way, way, way back of how we'll start this. Now, let's head on down from the line of Shem. We come down to Abram in verse 27. And Abram, 28, the sons of Abraham, Isaac and Ishmael. Now you remember the two sons of Abraham and you see them there. From Isaac, we have the Jews. From Ishmael, we have Sodom, Hussein, and the Arabs. Look how long that goes back. 
You remember the story. God promised Abraham a son, but there was no son. Abraham decided, I'll take things into my own hands with a little help from his wife. Abraham fathered a child through the servant girl Hagar. Child's name, Ishmael. As a result of that sin, we're studying it today because Abraham moved ahead of God. Don't move ahead of God. God's timing is always perfect. We're to keep in step with the Spirit. Abraham didn't keep in step with the Spirit. He decided his plan was better than God's, and he moved ahead. Now, God's plan was perfect, always had been, including his timing. So maybe some of you are challenged to just move ahead. That old sin nature's in us. It rises its head up. And pretty soon I'm off doing my own thing independent from God. And I look back and go, Where, how did I get here? And as you see, it has great disaster from our lives. Now in First Chronicles verse 34, we say Abraham was the father of Isaac. The sons of Isaac, Esau, and Israel. Remember that Israel was initially called Jacob, that old heel catcher, that deceiver. Jacob deceived his twin brother Esau, remember? And he got the birthright for a bowl of bean chili or whatever. Traded it. Then he fraudulently obtained his father's blessing instead of Esau. Over the years, God continued to deal with Jacob as he got what he deserved. Remember? He ran into a deceitful father-in-law, which is just as good as deceit as he was. And he ended up having to work 14 years for both of his wives. The first one, sad eyes or whatever. You remember, pretty tough. In the dark, still pretty tough. And then he finally ended up with Rachel. Jacob, God knew how to get even. And remember, Jacob ended wrestling with God. God finally, in his grace, changed his name to Israel, which means governed by God. Governed by God. God can change anyone and give him or her a new start. Let me just ask you, if you think about Jacob and all the stuff he did, stole, deceitful, right down through the years, would you have given Jacob another start? Come on, be honest. You know you wouldn't. In fact, I was listening to somebody today talking about the prodigal son. When the prodigal son came home, the father said, get that fatted lamb, let's have dinner, baby. We're going to have a party. Now, I would have said, well, maybe six months. Let's see if you're really true and honest here. Isn't God amazing? Here he is, this old heel catcher, and he changes his name. That challenges me. That means that we shouldn't give up hope. Listen, those of you that are here tonight, Your husband or wife will not serve God. Don't give up. You have a child, a daughter-in-law, son-in-law, a neighbor, co-worker. You witnessed and shared with them. They will not come to God. Don't give up. God can change their character. He can change their life. You just keep praying. In today's message from 1 Chronicles chapter 1, Pastor Mark underscored the importance of the genealogy laid out in the Old Testament. A line was established from Abraham to Jesus that confirmed the prophecy about from where and whom the Messiah would come. He also reminded us that God was invested and concerned about the lives of the people we read about 
just like He's invested in us. Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. The messages that you hear each day here on Lessons for Living were produced from messages that Pastor Mark shared at the main campus in Melbourne. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. We want to take this time to invite you to join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. Now, the next time you join us here on Lessons for Living, we will continue through the book of First Chronicles hearing about the people of the Bible whose lives looked hopeless at first. But in the end, they'll be redeemed by the Lord. Pastor Mark will challenge us in this area and bring to mind the limitless power of God. We'll also receive an exhortation regarding a stumbling block often encountered by believers. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right.